distance balls. Sure, they go far, but do they do anything else? The new ERC Soft does. Callaway completely reinvented the way a distance ball performs. Engineered with a new, fast, hybrid cover and a graphene-infused dual soft-fast core, it's a new kind of distance ball, one that actually feels soft and spins more. And once you're on the green, ERC Soft's triple track technology will help you dial in your alignment. Get Callaway's longest ball with soft feel today at callawaygolf.ca. In the wake of the federal election, many have been wondering about the future of conservatism in Canada, and a lot of eyes have turned to Alberta. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10 3. The National Post's Alberta correspondent Tyler Dawson talks to us about how Alberta Premier Jason Kenney is dealing with the anger of Western alienation, what his budget says about his conservative bona fides, and what his place is in Canada's conservative movement. Don't forget you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating and a review. So Tyler, now that the federal election is over... Justin Trudeau gets another shot at governing, albeit with a minority government. There's been a lot of talk about Western alienation and the idea of Western separation. Aside from the prime minister having to address some of these issues and addressing concerns coming out of Alberta, it seems that the person who who has a lot at stake related to the idea of Western separation and Western alienation is Premier Jason Kenney. How does this notion fit in with how... Kenny has governed or Kenny may choose to govern going forward. Yeah, he was asked about it right after the election and he sort of condemned it in no uncertain terms saying that, you know, this would not be beneficial for Alberta. Um, Separation would achieve the goals basically of the environmental movement by landlocking Alberta oil. So he's, you know, he's restated and said many times that he's a federalist and won't stand for this sort of thing. But the thing about Jason Kenney, I think, is that he is benefiting from the same outrage, frustration, whatever, that is fueling this separatist, alienated Albertan phenomenon. So he, I think, in many ways controls where this is going to go, whether or not it is is sort of pushed back to the fringe or if there's some risk um, of it going more mainstream. And it's sort of a question of whether or not it's good politics for him to allow this to continue to fester um, versus sort of good policy or good federalist activity to try and put an end to it in some way. Now, there's been a lot of accusations that he's been trying to whip up separatist sentiment. Is that a fair assessment, do you think? Or is it more a case of him trying to whip up anger at the Trudeau government trying to help his friend Andrew Scheer get elected prime minister, which didn't happen. But. Yeah, I think it's the the latter. I think that he stands to benefit from this anger and stands to benefit from deflecting anger towards Justin Trudeau when perhaps it could be directed at him. Um, people will remember him vowing to you know, get the economy back on track, get Trans Mountain built, all these things he has promised that are to some extent outside of his control. And so if he fails on those things, it uh, it's politically advantageous for him to be able to blame Trudeau. So I, I think the, the same frustration that is fueling this rise in alienation, that sentiment is to some extent Kenny's fault, if, if that's maybe too strong of a way to phrase it. But 
but he is certainly whipping this up, just not deliberately on the separatist side of things, I think. Is there a chance that any of this could potentially blow up in his face? Maybe. I mean, we Alberta lacks some of the key components of a real separatist movement. There's no actual leader. No one really in the mainstream of Alberta politics believes this. There's also not really any sort of consistent culture or linguistic or, you know, any sort of ties that bind people together that you would normally see in these sorts of things. And the minute there's a release valve, whether that's the economy turning around or something, this this stuff will die down, I think. As we've kind of let the dust settle from the election, you know, the, the federal parliament is not back in session right now. Political eyes have kind of turned outward back to the provinces. And Jason Kenney is, is seen by a lot of people as kind of one of those uh, main conservative politicians in Canada. He's kind of the forebear of the conservative movement. Um, a lot of eyes turned to Alberta just days after the election to Kenney's first United Conservative government uh, budget. What does the budget say about where he sits in terms of conservative thinking? Does it show a lot of I guess, conservative bona fides? I would actually say no. He, he said in advance of the budget that this was not going to be a Ralph Klein budget. And it certainly isn't that. We're talking about a 2.8% spending cut over four years. Mm-hmm. We are talking about getting rid of the deficit in four years, but not even coming close to making a big, big dent in the debt. So this is a conservative budget in the sense that it is a slow and perhaps reasonable path back to balance. It is a conservative budget, I think critics would say, in terms of who it saves money on the backs of, um, with something like de-indexing payments to the severely disabled. Um, You know, that is sort of the classic sort of thing that a left-winger would think a conservative is out to do. So maybe there's that part of it being conservative, but, you know, this is, these are mild cuts in the scheme of things. so, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't feel very conservative to me, frankly. Yeah, I mean, there there are areas where there have been reductions. There are departments that are seeing like more than a 2.8% mm-hmm. reduction because the government has said we're going to maintain health and education sp- spending. And uh, just on Tuesday, it was revealed that the government is eyeing wage reductions of between 2 and 5% for public sector unions entering arbitration. What are critics saying about this government's budget and the idea that it's uh, either too conservative or not conservative enough? Yeah, I mean, not that many people are saying it's not conservative enough, though maybe maybe that's just me. But I, but I come from that from the perspective that at some point you can't avoid, you can't spare health and education. Mm-hmm. That That's the only... Those are, those are the biggest line items for any provincial government, and they do need to be tackled eventually. But, you know, Rachel Notley came out, you know, absolutely swinging, saying this was an attack on vulnerable Albertans. She said the budget was a lie because of the de-indexing of income taxes. Um, she said this raises taxes on Albertans. She said this uh, is all happening at the same time. There's a quite significant corporate income tax cut, which will be worth about $2.5 billion from from provincial coffers over the next few years. Um, so those are sort of the main criticisms. You know, this is a, a budget for the wealthy mm-hmm. off the backs of, you know, regular Albertans. When, when you're talking about de-indexing of uh, 
income taxes. Mm-hmm. What does that what does that mean? Yeah, so the sort of short version of it is there is a certain amount of money that every Albertan does not pay taxes on. It's about $19,300 or something like that. Okay. So you, you start paying taxes after that point in your income. And so what indexing does is increases the that threshold each year by inflation. So mm-hmm. it, it in theory goes up each year to ensure that you are getting back enough money to sort of cover the cost of inflation. So when you de-index it, what that means is that you will pay the same amount of tax this year, next year, and the year after, but that money will be worth less because it hasn't increased with inflation. Okay. So now critics are saying this is a backdoor tax hike. The UCP is saying that is not the case, but at any rate, by 2023-24, it'll be worth $600 million to the province. So mm. no matter how you look at it, um, more money is staying with the government and less money is going back to taxpayers. And Jason Kenney has a long history of calling these things tax hikes. So fair or not, that's up to listeners to decide, but well, but that's what's going on there. Well, yeah, the, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation has come out and, and called it a, a tax increase. And as many people uh, know, or some might know that Jason Kenney himself was once yeah. uh, head of that same organization and, and has in the past spoken against the idea of de-indexing mm-hmm. income tax exemptions. Are there other areas of the budget that, that kind of show that Kenny, yes, is kind of holding true to either what he campaigned on or what he has vocalized as being conservative ideals? I suppose you could look at education, um, post-secondary education, really, I think Mm -hmm. would be the big one, where tuition is being unfrozen, so it can increase by about 7%, I think, is the figure that was put on it. Grants are being reduced in that uh, that regard as well. So I think probably that's that's the you know the biggest most consistent one. Conservatives like to pick on universities, and this there is certainly a strong flavor of that running through the budget. And and the other thing would be there's the removal of a whole pile of tax credits for investors and things like that in the budget um, and tech companies, and that's sort of been replaced by this broad-based corporate tax cut that's going from 12% down to 8% in the next four years. So conservatives sometimes like tax credits. Andrew Scheer ran on a very tax credit heavy federal platform, but uh, conservative economics sometimes would prefer to see them eliminated in favor of broad-based tax relief. As I said, we're, the dust has kind of settled on the election. It, things are up in the air about Andrew Scheer and his future as leader of the Conservative Party. That'll be settled with a leadership review in the spring of next year. There's been a lot of talk around what conservatism is. There mm-hmm. were pieces in the National Post about, you know, is what did Andrew Scheer do a good enough job selling a conservative message or was he the wrong package as it was to talk up conservative values? In Ontario, there's a question as whether as to whether Doug Ford is the right premier to lead the conservative movement in Canada, as a lot of what he's done is seen in at least opinion polls as very unpopular. Is Jason Kenney right now the most prominent conservative politician in the country? Is he the de facto leader of the conservative movement here in Canada? I, I would say that is probably a fair assessment. Out of the prominent conservatives in the country, I think he is probably the person who is taken the most seriously. Uh, Doug Ford, as you said, is tremendously unpopular. I think there is a large swath of 
whether we want to call them sort of the Laurentian elite or the media establishment or whatever, he's sort of seen as a bit of a joke in the way that his his brother was. Um, you know, Scott Moe isn't super prominent. Brian Pallister, not super prominent. I think that's probably fair to say whether or not there is anyone right now who is really carrying a conservative standard, I think would be sort of a separate question. Um, and I think the answer to that is probably not really. So if he is the kind of the the de facto leader of the movement, and I, you know, we're not espousing that he's kind of at the head of and telling other conservative right, premiers yeah. what to do, but he is in terms of prominence, uh, federally and provincially, the if not the most prominent, one of the most prominent conservatives right now. Is what he does in Alberta the litmus test for conservative values and how successful they can be on a national scale? No, would be my assessment of that. And the reason I say that is because I do think there is something somewhat unique about the political culture in the West. Mm -hmm. I mean, you need only look, say, at Heather Malick's column in the Toronto Star to realize that there is a enormous, tremendous gulf between how voters in some parts of the country think compared to voters in other parts of the country. When you have people in central Canada looking at the UCP budget of mild cuts and, you know, sort of going off the deep end saying this is an austerity budget, comparing it to, you know, union busting activities and things like that in the United States. Hmm. Um, whereas this is probably a budget that has reasonable support among Albertans. Certainly the UCP has had and has substantial support among Albertans. So could a leader of a conservative party win a federal election on some of the same principles that one can in Alberta? I, I, I'm inclined to think it would be kind of tough. Now, one of the things we saw in the federal election campaign was a lot of politicians setting up other politicians as their kind of natural sworn enemy. You mm -hmm. saw it with Justin Trudeau really campaigning against Doug Ford and Jason Kenney as much as he was campaigning against Andrew Scheer. In Alberta's election, you saw Jason Kenney campaigning as much against Justin Trudeau as he was campaigning against mm -hmm. Rachel Notley. Do you get the sense that some of this will continue going forward, whether it's Justin Trudeau in a minority uh, parliament trying to link Andrew Scheer to what happens in Ontario and Alberta? And do you, do you think Jason Kenney will continue to hold up Justin Trudeau as Alberta's sworn enemy uh, through the rest of his first term? Yeah, I think so. I, I think you've already seen some of that in the legislature. Um, you know, the, the line of the NDP in their, you know, best friend and ally, Justin Trudeau or whatever, mm -hmm. The UCP is fond of saying, uh, I do think that will continue. I do think it resonates. I think it resonates for whatever bizarre reason among Trudeau supporters as well. Frankly, I think it's a silly line of attack on on both sides and uh, in some cases dishonest, but is it? I think there's no doubt that it's effective. Well, it'll be definitely definitely interesting to see how, how some of this plays out and, and, and how Jason Kenney's uh, fall sitting uh, carries the budget going into the new year. Uh, uh, Tyler, thanks for your time. Thanks so much. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Tyler Dawson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.